This podcast was recorded at the American headquarters of the Aetherius Society, located in Hollywood, California, where service is the jewel in the rock of attainment. Welcome and thank you for coming to our, our first uh, study course on the nine freedoms in many, many years, and the very, very first one that we're going to hope to put out as a podcast as well. So thank you for coming, the live audience, to uh, help us um, stay focused and ask questions. And as we mentioned, well, I guess we should introduce ourselves. I'm uh, Brian Kniep. And I'm Richard Casada. We're both here at the American headquarters in Los Angeles. We're in a beautiful temple that we've been in since 1965. And we got hordes of people um, looking forward to our class today. And we're going to like offer people on the internet, if they can uh, li listen to this, to ask questions as well. And we actually even have a few questions already from people, which we may get to. We don't know. We don't know. But the course is going to be a nine consecutive Wednesdays, uh, do a freedom each time. And as we mentioned in our introduction, it's going to include a short extract of Mars Sector 6, who gave the nine freedoms. And it will include a few extracts of our master's lecture that he gave on the Nine Freedoms back in the 1960s. And then, of course, we'll do what we can to um, fill in some uh, of the gaps and kind of share questions and answers uh, with those of us who've been studied the, studying these for a long, long time. As you know, those of you who have read the Nine Freedoms uh, throughout the years, um, the Nine Freedoms were delivered to Earth in 1961. And throughout these years, many of us have studied these freedoms quite deeply. And we felt, after some consideration, which prompted us to start this study course, because we need to delve further into these mystical teachings, uh, teachings which not only give us some aspect of truth, but ultimate truth in the sense of our evolution from this world through the world's experience, and indeed into our solar system and beyond. So it offers us a clear picture, which we haven't had really before in most religions, obscured with terminologies like heaven or nirvana, beautiful as they are in terminologies, and belief held by many thousands and millions throughout the centuries. However, Mars Sector 6, this unique master, this unique being, has brought to this world a clear picture of our future, which we can truly grab hold of and hold dear to our hearts with great faith, and then we can start planning our future from today. If this is the case for many of us, sometimes we need a little push to go further in our studies, a little push a little bit further in our activities, a little push to go further in our love for these teachings, because they are virtually our heartbeat of this church, they are the foundation. It's the philosophy, really. Um, one, one kind of uh, question which sometimes crops up is freedoms. Why are they called nine freedoms? You, you often hear in religion steps or progressions, um, initiations, but why freedoms? And uh, One possible suggestion is that it's steps that free us from 
our ignorance virtually um, because we're all sparks of God. That's the one thing that uh, most all religions purport is that we are all sparks of God. We're all one. And the thing that holds us back is that we don't know that we're a spark of God. We don't know that we're one with each other and with, with the absolute. And in my mind, the freedoms, each freedom is uh, taking away a layer of ignorance and allowing you or us to become closer to um, the oneness which we all are. So tonight when we uh, present these freedoms, starting tonight with the first freedom, uh, please understand that it would take us centuries to truly unravel the great um, beauty and power behind these freedoms. It is up to us now, be beginning with these great study groups, to really uh, fall back in love, I want to use that terminology, with this wonderful set of texts. So tonight we'll have excerpts from Marsec, one excerpt from Mars Sector 6, the great master himself. And we'll do, do some readings too. Readings from as the, well. The, the text. And then of course our great master himself who gives commentary regarding these great teachings. So um, now, one thing I wanted to say too is that these uh, classes are really designed for people who have studied the nine freedoms, you know, who, who know a little bit about them. It doesn't have to be that way, but it's going to be we aren't going to take it from A to Z. We're going to like hit some of the highlights, ask some questions, and interact with, with your questions. So if you don't have the nine freedoms, or if you haven't listened to the text, or you don't, haven't listened to the master's lectures, and you possibly can, it'd be good to do it sometime during these nine weeks to kind of catch yourself up and uh, get more out of these classes. Once again, we have the nine freedoms that have been available for sale for many, many years, as you know. And more wonderfully, we have the actual cosmic transmissions of the nine freedoms available for your personal study, and also the lectures given by the Master himself regarding his understanding of these great teachings. So there's a great foundation of truth here that you can really avail yourselves. What we're going to really push home during these next nine weeks is that your personal involvement with these teachings need to really develop into something very personal. Because, as the Master states, and this will be brought up in the future weeks to come, he states the more you touch these freedoms, much like all of the cosmic teachings, the more you touch them, the more you create a pathway between yourself, your higher self in particular, and these great beings themselves, and indeed their planetary intelligence. He mentions this in one of the freedoms. So here you have a pure channel that you're developing each time you open a book, each time you listen to one of the transmissions, or listen to our master speak, you're opening up more and more, every single time, a great pathway in which inspiration will pour, in which it'll flow into your consciousness and give you great strength, fortitude, bravery, obviously, is a great teaching which we're going to give tonight, and the other freedoms. That's an important aspect to remember, because as you know, the, the holy shapes that we, we sell have a little, a little um, stone from one of the holy mountains. And there's a, a link between that stone and the mountain, just like there's a link between your blood spot, wherever it is, and yourself, this metaphysical link. And likewise, there's a link between these teachings, 
especially when you hear it from the voice of Mars Sector 6. You can use that link and you can, you can get to the essence of Mars Sector 6. And so it's not just an intellectual um, working on the, the knowledge, but it's also sending your mind and your essence down that link or feeling his essence coming down that link to help raise you up. And the more you do that, the more it will help you understand what's in the nine freedoms. Maybe we should... Uh, we should start. We should start for... The, the first extract... Well, I'll talk about the first extract. The first extract is a wonderful introduction by our master explaining the nine freedoms itself. Thank right. you very much. The very Brian. beginning. The very beginning. Yeah. It clarifies, and he'll listen to, just listen to it, and you'll see how wonderful it is. Um, it, it really is important to say something here on the onset regarding our master. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. We take many of us for granted that we are able to speak, hear, listen, all the five senses, walk about, metabolize, grow from childhood to adulthood, and pass away. Expecting as metaphysicians that we'll have a new life, hopefully less fettered with troubles, things of this nature, etc., etc., more blessed. However, imagine sending a being, a master, a uniquely highly trained individual to this planet in the embodiment of George King, who was able to, after dedicated study, and this took bravery in the beginning. His life was threatened many times. He, he, he confronted a lot of dark energy, a lot of interference throughout his life, developing his keen abilities, which led him to the ability to be a medium in which a being such as Mars Sector 6 could communicate with him in purity, unadulterated purity. Unlike us, where we have a story told between one another, we kind of change it, we forgot about what somebody said, we kind of lift it here, lift it there. Maybe not so clear, not so pure. Imagine this purity. And this individual who Brian and I and many of us, but in particular Brian and I tonight, I like to say we had the, the very, very special privilege of living with his being for many, many years through many travails. We witnessed his dedication, his sincerity, and his love for his work, which is one thing, the cosmic plan, the mm. salvation of this planetary race, its peace, and its protection. So in this case, let's start. How would we yep. start? Mark, uh, play the first track. Slow it up. The nine freedoms were so great and so important that energy release during the giving of these did stop a devastating earthquake in Los Angeles. This is not by chance, is not by coincidence, it puts a strange seal of approval uh, on the authenticity of the source of the nine freedoms. No earth man or collection of earth people could have done this. It could only have been done by a very, very great master. And a very great master gave to Earth the nine freedoms. You know, this is a classroom, this Earth of ours. And we are going through numerous experiences in order to be able to pass an examination and leave this classroom and go into a higher classroom. 
From there, we go to a higher classroom still, and even a higher one still. This might take you two million lives, and during the course of these lectures on the nine freedoms, I will tell you what will happen during the next two million lives, or what should happen. It's up to you, I think, whether it takes you 2,000 or 2 million. Kind of makes you uh, wish that he was here giving the classes really long, doesn't it? <laughs> well, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to include extracts of our master to bring that truth uh, to bear on these classes as well. And we'll do the best that we can to fill in. Obviously, it's fascinating to hear that uh, not only were these teachings delivered to Earth, at this time, at the end of our world's uh, conditions, our world's history is changing rapidly, as we all know. You've heard it out in the streets, you've heard it amongst friends, the quickening, it's described, the end of the world as we know it. So here we have these great teachings, these seminal teachings that are guiding us as a light through the darkness. And we have a master such as Mars Sector 6 who has delivering these great truths to the earth. Simultaneously, delivering power, essential power to avert a earthquake that would have happened in this city that we now exist well, in. That's a big lesson, really, in, in what they say and what they teach, the cosmic masters. You know, this is, this is some of the greatest teachings ever to be given to Earth, the nine freedoms. So you would think that that would be enough of a reason to have a transmission. But with the Cosmic Masters, they even added a mission on top of that. So what he said was when these, this was given, not only were the teachings given, but energy was sent through our Master and others to avert an earthquake at the time. And it, it, kinda, it, it, it really emphasizes how important they see service. And that really will come up again and again through these classes, the importance of service, helping others. The, the, uh, the pronouncement that Mars Sector 6, using our master as the great voice box, it's not perchance that we have the development of tape recorders. It's not perchance that it was captured on tape. In this generation, at this time, these particular teachings. In the past, we had scribes. We had women, in particular, who listened to the Master Jesus, who wrote various things that he said, and the parables and things of this nature. But there could have still been a little bit of a change in, in the inferences here and there. Oh, there would have been. There you have it. You, so you, can't, you can't stop that. You know. We have unadulterated truth from a cosmic being. A being it's not only just the, the, the words, but it's, it's that... It's the essence. You know, it's, it's not just that we have the exact uh, text, the exact truth as, they, as he gave them, but it's the feeling, it's the energy, it's the, um, the power behind it. And that's what we're going to play next, is, uh, is the very first uh, words of the Nine Freedoms. One little tip. When you listen to this master, there is a segments of pause between his deliberate delivery. Make no bones, no, don't confuse that with being, thinking about what he's going to say. In the pause is great power. In the pause there is unlimited knowledge being placed in 
between each word. Actually, I'll, I'll augment that. When I gave, um, when I gave a, a talk in England uh, after we had just started the archival project, and I had spent a lot of um, many, many weeks working on the 12 blessings. And if you come on Sunday, you'll hear the 12 blessings played. And that's a much shorter version of the 12 blessings as, than it was originally given. And the Master wanted us to do it that way. And he cut out some of the pauses to allow it to be in nine minutes rather than, say, 15 minutes. Um, and when I was giving this, this talk in uh, England, one of the older uh, members, I think it was Beryl Lawton, um, she came up to me afterwards and said, you know, when I heard the original 12 blessings, I got more knowledge, more information, more into more truth from the pauses than from the words themselves. So she said, I hope that when you eventually put them out for sale, you will offer them in an uncut version. So in this particular one here, we, we have not cut the pause. Um, so listen to it and really tune in. And I think for this, it'd be good to kind of close your eyes. What I would do, and kind of sit up straight. As Mars Sector 6, is satellite number 3, is in orbit as we speak today. Yeah, it's a nice, nice timing, really. All right, so everybody, everybody ready? Kind of do a deep, deep breath or two, slow the breathing. Let's really prepare ourselves. Very short, less than a minute, this extract. But we really feel the power. Okay, when you're ready, Mark. This is Mars Sector 6. Pronouncing the nine of freedoms. The first of freedom will be a bravery. I'd like to read now uh, the next couple of sentences. Bravery is essential in all things, for while the aspirant allows the negative accumulation of fear to discolor his outlook, he cannot ever truly aspire to freedom. Freedom from fear can be brought into active manifestation within all men, providing they have knowledge. Knowledge of the right kind dispels fear, whether the manifestation of this fear be petty or more potent. The accumulation is a key word. We can say that we have a fear regarding some current affair or some circumstance that brings us trepidation, fear. However, when you start speaking as the master of Mars Sector 6 uses the word accumulation, we're talking about not only years, we're talking generations. We're talking father to son. We're talking cultural uh, generations and effects of fear passing along and building upon each soul upon this world. This is what he speaks of. This is what we can recognize here, is that fear is something that's generated, not only from ourselves, but those loved ones who we respect, 
or even our master, our teachers, in some cases at school when we're young. Fear, I think, is so prevalent throughout the entire planet that we live on, where we most people live in a thick atmosphere of of fear, and this is why Mars Sector Six is making is pronouncing the first freedom to be bravery. Because it's like people on Earth are kind of in this kind of quagmire, kind of moving in a certain muddled direction, not really able to see the truth. And it takes bravery to get away from that. And it takes a brave person to be able to go against the tide like that. And that's really, we're going to talk a little bit about other aspects of fear, but this is really where the bravery is so, so necessary, because it's so prevalent. And with that, we should possibly just go straight into our master talking about fear. Okay. This is a little bit longer, this one, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's about seven minutes. And uh, Mark, it's just, you had it dialed up there. Let's move it in. Should be track three? It'll be track three. Right throughout our spiritual uh, evolution, bravery is an absolute essential if we are to go on. Not foolishness, but wise bravery. A kind of a steadfastness is absolutely essential to all people. Notice those who fear. They are not advanced. Those who are brave through ignorance, neither are they advanced. It is the steadfast people who do not fear these kind of things who are advanced. Supposing you are sitting in your house one night and you, as some people here have done, and you clairvoyantly saw an entity enter your house who you knew to be evil. If you showed fear, the first thing the entity would do would be, just like a dog, it would bite you. It would attach itself to your aura and it would take its sustenance from there because it would feed on the fear emanation that you put out. But supposing that you had no fear, you turned round, used certain practices like the violet flame or sending out your love or, or, or prayer and so on, steadfastly, unafraid, that entity would leave because it would not see you as a prospective victim. It would be powerless against you, just as an animal is. If you walk straight up to a dog, it will not bite you. But when you fear a dog, you emanate a certain scent. The dog smells it and it bites you. This is one of the great basic laws. You are, you are virtually, in that instant, in a way, evil. 
So we cannot allow fear to discolor our outlook. Let me tell you a little story quickly. I was talking to a yoga class of PIC students I had in, in London uh, at one time. And we were in a small room and we'd practiced yoga pretty diligently that night. And uh, as always, we whatever we were inspired to discuss afterwards, we discussed and fear came up and we all discussed this. So afterwards I said, now let us at this time uh, let our fear drop from us. And everyone tried to do this. All right. They left soon after. Now, I slept in the same room. Or at least I tried to sleep. But you know, they had allowed their fear or a part of it to drop from them. And it was so real, this thing, that the radiations were still in that room. And before I could sleep, I had to get up and clean that room. And it wasn't easy to clean that room. It was extremely difficult to do this. I think some of you even know what I mean. If you don't know what I mean, then what I'm trying to point out that this fear is a real thing, but it can be dropped from you. Just as you would take a, a, some clothes off that are dirty, take them off and throw them away, so can you do with fear because, we'll see in a minute, Freedom from fear can be brought into active manifestation with all men, providing they have knowledge. Fear is a direct result of ignorance. Most of the religions in the world, from the aboriginal religions to some orthodox, relig some orthodox religions, are built upon fear. If you do this, you'll go to hell. Or if you, if you don't put ram's teeth round your, in, in beads round you, then the evil spirits will get you and kill your first wife or something like that. Well, one is just as bad as the other. Let's never la laugh at the aboriginals until we laugh at our own Western conceptions of some of these religions. They're just as bad, you know, hellfire and torment and so on. My father, who lived at one time in southern Ireland, was approached by a farmer. The farmer was supposed to cut wood, wood for the priest. The priest, he, he hadn't been able to cut, cut this wood. The priest had told this ignorant farmer that if he didn't cut the wood at once, he would turn him into a donkey. Now this man was dead scared. He was really frightened. And he said to my father, Mr. King, can the priest turn me into a donkey? Now, he really meant it. My father said, well, look, I'll tell you what to do. Go and tell the priest to turn me into a donkey. And then if he turns me into a donkey, he can surely turn you into one. But if he doesn't turn me into one, he cannot turn you into one. And the man went away and he told the priest this. And the priest said that my father was a heathen. Even so, even so, this farmer went out of his way to cut that wood just in case. Now, 
this is true. It was this fear was so inborn in him. You see, it 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 been indoctrinated for, from childhood into this belief that the priest could turn him into a donkey, and he means it. And I'm not talking about years ago. I'm talking about since the last war. This kind of thing does happen and is happening right throughout the world. Religions built on fear, they will fail. Just as the aboriginal witch doctors who themselves build their worship on fear, they too will fail because anything built on fear must fail. It is bound to fail. It is not by chance that in these last days we have an oracle saying the first freedom will be. This is not by chance because these are the last days. These are the days of the separation. These are the days of the examination. Let us not kid ourselves on this. These are the days when we must go forward bravely into truth and accept our rightful heritage which is waiting for us. It's there waiting for a glorious thing. You give an awful lot in that short eight minutes. Uh, uh, now one thing that uh, he, he said early on is that um, there's different kinds of bravery, and that's a good thing to, to remember. Um, I think elsewhere in the lectures he says, he's not talking about the bravery where you're walking across a, um, a six-lane freeway, blindfolded. That's just dumb. Um, that's not brave. Uh, there's lots of things that you can do that, that might seem brave, but bravery that he's talking about is bravery with knowledge. And we're going to get into that a little bit later of, of how do you get that knowledge? How do you tell what kind of bravery you're about to use or you want to use? How do you access that? And we'll get into that uh, pretty shortly. There's the, uh, the concept regarding religion he brings up, and it's a very powerful one. Um, we have today a world of terrorism. We hear it every day on news, CNN, every single news channel. terrorism this, terrorism that. We have religious uh, people who believe that if they murder themselves plus a, a, a marketplace that they are going to go to some form of heaven to see God and be praised by God. They are afraid that if they do not commit this horrendous act of murder that they will not go to heaven and it is absolutely governed by fear. Just as bad as we had back in the days of the Inquisition and indeed in America, not too long ago, where we had people who had mystical uh, abilities or certain psychic abilities, and they were being rounded up and being whipped and tortured because the religious leaders were afraid. No, and even today in our modern civilized world, where we have our governments uh, preventing, in certain cases, information going out to the public, like, let's say, UFOs and and information regarding unidentified flying objects, of course they're saying no. Why? Because they are afraid. They have fear. The loss of control, the loss of power, 
the loss of dominion, the loss of money. He also talks about um, fear as being um, a state of mind. And that's, that's a, a, another very important key. You, know, you can, you can um, that, that's really kind of where you get the bravery. You, if you can get your mind out of this um, cultural pattern that we, we find ourselves, um, you can change your state of mind. You know, you can, you can look at, at Muslims, for example, as um, evil, or you can look at them um, as a different religion, wanting to go back to God. It's a state of mind. And when, when you're in a, a culture that is pressuring you to look in one way, it can take bravery to um, not get caught up in that state of mind, but through knowledge find a different state of mind. Realize that we're all one, we're all part of God, we're all aspects of the oneness. Sometimes that takes bravery. I think you can see that in the news. You see all these different factions against each other because they're, they're caught up in this cultural um, state of mind. And they just, it takes bravery to get out of that state of mind. And of course, we, uh, the, a question would be posed, well, how do you replace fear? How, what is truly bravery? And knowledge of the right kind, as Mars Sector 6 stipulates, is that uh, is the remedy in what is the knowledge? And that's one of the key questions that any student, metaphysical student, would ask. And there are many answers, and there are many lecturers and, and uh, people out there who will give you different uh, paths to absolving fear. We can ponder this word uh, fear, we can ponder bravery, but when you, when you get the knowledge of the right kind applied to your life, then that's when things start to move and shake. You start to get this strength, inner strength, this steadfastness that he speaks of, this constant harmonic that you have in your being that is, it has, it's like waterproofing, you know, but it's fearproofing because you, it just rolls off you because you don't accept that way of thinking. It doesn't enter your mind to be afeared, as they say in down south. <laughs> Well, that's the big question, of course. We'll get to that shortly. But that's the, the big thing is how to not be uh, upset by the intrusion, as he calls it, the intrusion of fear. We got one more extract um, of our master talking about a different aspect of fear, one which we're all in the middle of. So should we play the next extract? Number four, Mark. Fear is something which is instilled in man by the dark forces. In fact, some dark forces under the guise of religious people tell you to fear God. How can you fear that which is good and great? Respect God Yes, but fear? Man is kept in the slavery of materialism by one main weapon, fear. He fears that he will lose his job because he fears if he does lose his job, he will lose his position. If he loses his position, he fears 
he will not be able to afford to eat, and so on. Fear, my friends, is a weapon used every day, every minute of every day. The materialism, that, that's, that, that's, um, that's just a massive thing. If you look at the world, um, some people could say that you know, America used capitalism and, and materialism to get to a certain level, say in the 50s and 60s. It was really, really good. It solved lots and lots of needs um, of many, many people in the West with capitalism. But it's kind of kind of run out of control. It's, it's, um, there's a book, I think, uh, recently come out called Consumed, about um, how consumerism and capitalism is just, I mean, everyone knows it's just going, going crazy. You know, you're, you're buying $150 tennis shoes, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the rest of the world is following suit. And so the whole world is, is just buying into this, this, this um, rampant materialism. And you know, our master tells us uh, that this is an aspect of fear. It's an aspect of um, the dark forces, the evil entities. Sounds kind of science fiction-y, but it's an aspect of, of these kinds of entities trying to keep the masses in control. Kind of, if you think about it, how much of our time is spent worrying, thinking, protecting, dealing with things, stuff, materials, materialism. And all that time is time not spent helping others, learning about your oneness with God, all of these kinds of things. It, it's, it's keeping us back. Knowledge of materialism, the root of materialism is fundamentally the earth herself. We take the earth, we, sh we change her, we transmute her and make it glass, make wood from trees, we make plastics, we make metals from ore. We shape the earth, this body, this cosmic being, and we created a world of materialism, of want, of need apparently, of desires. All the while fear, which is generated by the lack of, I wish I had, I'm afraid I don't have enough, and what I have I'm afraid it will be stolen, I'm afraid that someone won't love me because I'm not rich enough. I'm afraid that I'm not pretty enough or handsome enough. These are all real fears. I have young daughters in school. And the peer pressure in schools of America is intensely fear-oriented. Intensely fear-oriented. Materialism mm -hmm. is a key to your image of what you possess and how you look. So really the question is, um, how do you get out of it? How do you harness this first freedom bravery to get out of the, the treadmill of materialism? And that doesn't mean you have to get, get rid of all of your cars and your houses and your clothes. It means that you have to work only as much as you need to. Master Etherius, what a wonderful statement. Mm. Work hard enough and long enough to get the things that you need, not the things that you want. And spend the rest of your time 
serving your brother. That, 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 that sums up the message of the Catholic Masters. And in a way, if you think about it, it sums up most major religions. You know, in many respects, the, the core concepts being taught are not new at all. They're very old. You know, think of yourself as a spark of God. Think of everyone around you as sparks of God. Do unto others as you would have them do unto to yourself. These are not brand new concepts at all. But the difference is it brings in the materialism as an aspect of evil. It brings in bravery and fear as uh, things that are very necessary. Bravery is necessary to overcome fear. It brings in these things. And as we see and we, as we go on, we do have very, very new aspects. But these are very basic things that have been around for a long time. But how do you do them day to day? That's the big question. I'm going to read something else from the Nine Freedoms here. Uh, study fear for what it is. Study it coldly, without emotion. You will discover that it is but a state of mind which you have formulated for yourself. This state of mind is the result of karma, environment, and present outlook. Very simple statements. We can talk about it for hours. We have an excerpt where the master describes what karma is. Mm. And we, we understand what karma is, it helps us to understand fear. The master speaks about fear, says, how can you understand fear and how can you have fear in others, for instance, or from others, or of others, when you don't understand yourself? So when you drop fear, then you don't have the, the, the nature to have fear from others or a fear about somebody else's approach to, towards you. So let's listen to the master. And Mark, just pull this one up. Karma is like a great, look upon it as a big piece of cloth. You are the weaver. You are weaving different patterns and different colors into this cloth. Now, just imagine that you cannot see the cloth that you are now weaving. You will not be able to see the pattern you have woven in that cloth until you have woven it, or in other words, tomorrow. So the cloth you weave today, you will see tomorrow. The karma, the karmic pattern you are weaving for yourself now, you will see tomorrow or the next day. You might say, oh well, yes, but that's too late to put it right. It is too late in one way to put that karma right you have already woven. But you can learn from that. We all can. When I say you, I mean all of us. We can learn from the mistakes in the weave of that karmic pattern that we made for ourselves yesterday so that today we do not make those same mistakes again. Karma, you know, is not one of these horrible things 
a, a, a kind of punishment. In fact, it is not a punishment. It is a teacher. You can learn that a knife is sharp by cutting something else with it or cutting your own finger with it. If you cut your own finger with it, you'll jolly soon learn it's sharp and you'll also learn that it's unpleasantly sharp. Whereas if you look at it, uh, make certain deductions in a logical manner, you can deduce that it is sharp. So there you have it then. It's karma is something which you control, no one else, you, not even your nearest and dearest controls your karma, you do. So we've often heard the phrase that we make tomorrow's destiny today, we do in this great karmic pattern that we are weaving and we can alter it. And when we alter it, as fear is a result of karma to some extent, we begin to get over fear as well. Well, shall we open up for a couple of questions? Because we're, we're done with the, uh, the fear aspect. We're about to kind of go into the knowledge aspect and how to get away from fear. Let me just, just pause there for a minute and see anyone have any questions? Now, don't be fearful about asking questions. How do you deal with all the fear that some other people try to inflict on you? You know, like the government these days, putting all kinds of lies in your always afraid. Good question, because uh, governments are pretty good at that these days. Um, well, I guess in that respect, it, the knowledge is a pretty good answer to that one. I mean, obviously, you don't want to let the government be the only source of information, you know. Um, and these days, with the internet, um, there's lots of other ways of, of accessing other information. Um, so I think, you know, the first I mean, thing... I know the answer, but I just want yeah. somebody else to know. Yeah, well, I know what you mean. No, that's a very good point, and it's, uh, you know, some, unfortunately, channels these days are getting very polarized. You know, some channels are very left, some channels are very right, and it, it's almost happening because um, even news channels, or especially news channels, shall I say, and unfortunately, it, it almost goes back to materialism. You have these channels, they, are, they, they pay their, their bills through advertising. And the advertising um, want content that people will watch. And so if you have a certain program that's, that's kind of leaning towards right-wing stuff, then they're going to like keep the right-wing stuff there because the people that watch it want that. That's the dark force that is moving, pushing the whole Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's, it's all it's kind of centered around materialism. It's all about what you can get. It's, uh, it's diabolical. The government is, of every country which you were born, is the country which you deserve by your karma. 
So if you're born in another country and you come to this country and you complain about the government, and there are complaints that are very logical and very reasonable, however, what you're going to do from that point on after you've laid out your soul and say, well, I'm so upset about this all, and I'm fed up with it, all my friends believe in what the, the government says, but I don't. Well, good for you. Don't believe. Once again, fear is a state of mind. That's what bravery comes in. Ex mm -hmm. That's a good point. Exactly. See, now you're talking. Yeah. Now you're talking. It's, where you, it's a stead, the steadfastness that the master used is your poise. It's, it's the, the human spirit says, I'm not going to follow with my nose being pulled along, you see, by, hook, by a hook. A yes, you're not a sheep. You're a human being and a God spark embodied in a, in a temple. We have, we have poison running rampant. We have toxic materials that we live in, that we pay with our hard-earned money to bring into our home. We don't have the knowledge of the inherent toxicity of a lot of materials which we eat, in which we breathe, in which we have around us. Now, we can't blame the government for all the problems of our world. So there's a part of this where honesty and self-introspection and darn right investigation on your part and all of us we have to get into the meat of the subject we have to find out what our world's all about turn the rock over look at what's on that, the underside that brings up a good point you know and our master did say elsewhere i think in these these things to try and learn as much as you can about as many things as you can so you can educate somebody you can educate yourself and other people you know, Amasu was always, always very adamant that you, you can't just sit back and be spiritual and hope that things are going to work out. You, know, you can't just um, ask God to protect your home and not bother to lock the door. You, know, you lock the door. You get a really good lock. And you lock the door. A lot of people are so comfortable with materialism, you know, that they say, oh, but what are you going to do? You know, once you tell them enough things that you know. You, you, you can't control other people, though. You can't control other people. Um, all you can do is um, try and, and share the knowledge that you have um, and live your own life the best that you can and help others um, as much as they're able to accept your help. You know, I mean, some people, for example, you wouldn't take the knowledge of the nine freedoms and give it to everyone, but you might take aspects of it and give it to other people. You see, you have to kind of gauge how much are they ready for. How much can they digest? Yeah. There is a, there's a method by which you can know truth. The Master speaks of this, our Master speaks of this very clearly. It is your higher self. It is that still, quiet voice that speaks to you when you ask a question. And if you all are honest within your own heart, you will know, and you know, that this voice has spoken to you and has given you warning, guidance, direction, information, and yet, what do we do? We say, no, they, they speak the truth, yet your own voice you do not listen to. So truly, where does the terrorism first start? But in your own self. It's it not another person that's creating... It's the advantage of the ignorance. Well, this is where knowledge of the right kind, which we're going to get into in a minute or two, is the how to attain the knowledge so that you can dispel fear, as Mars Sector 6 speaks of. And in dispelling the fear, you have this knowledge. Now I have weapons of truth. 
I am cloaked with the armor and the protection of this divine knowledge, and I'm applying it every day. And the more you apply it, the more it lives. And the more it lives, the more light, as a light, as a being, you shine. And you walk into a building, and we'll get into this, and you become an influence. No longer are you standing alone in a sea of people. You are a, a heartbeat amongst those people. So that, so that comes with knowledge. And when, when the, more, the more that you, you realize um, who and what you are and what you're capable of doing all the time, and matter of fact, not what you're capable of, but what, you, um, what your responsibility is to be doing all of the time, then you start living and thinking differently. And that, of course, everything starts with thought. Uh, so you have thought and feeling, and then you act and speak. But it starts with thought and feeling. And you have to, the more knowledge that you have, the more that you can think and feel properly from the beginning. And also, of course, the, the practices, which we'll get into a little bit, help kind of exercise the, these tools within you. How I see it with the knowledge is, if you take, like say, a brain surgeon, and this brain surgeon is the most knowledgeable brain surgeon in the world, instead of him going out and trying to convince you, let me do surgery on you, he's gonna attract people to him because of the knowledge he has. Isn't it the same in this, the more knowledge you have? the more you're going to probably attract the people to you to want to know this knowledge. Oh, that, that's true, too. That's, yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. Yes, the master obviously attracted all of you through his teachings and will attract thousands, hopefully millions of people into the generations ahead because there are genera generations ahead. We are the pioneers in this room, believe it or not. In listening to this podcast, we are the pioneers of these wonderful teachings and we are learning how to apply them. And we are going to refine ourselves and we're going to grow from these teachings and we're going to be able to pass them along as the time goes, goes along. Talk about materialism, back to materialism for a moment, the master. He was a very judicious person when it came to money. He did mm -hmm. not spend money frugally. He did not acquire things that he did not need. He wore clothes that went threadbare and were sewn because he did not want to spend his money. He'd rather spend his money on a new piece of equipment that would have some important function for the world as a whole. That, there's a boat out in the Ethereum Society headquarters here in America in the parking lot named Phantom. That boat represents an enormous amount of energy that took a lot of effort to purchase and maintain on his own pocketbook. But yet, that boat was an instrument by which he traveled upon and changed the course of history. And we can read about that in Operation Sunbeam, the Saturn mission, and other important missions. But that's the kind of selection he, he managed to pick and choose those articles which served a divine purpose. Now let's look at ourselves. How many things do we own that we look in that manner with the things that we possess? And how much can we put back into the world if we don't need it for a divine purpose? Let's say, because we need clothes, obviously. But a divine purpose, then maybe we should put it back into the stream. Someone else may need it from a thrift shop or something like this. It's an idea, just throwing it out there regarding materialism. It's good to think of materialism uh, as an energy, 
um, and it, it's it's a flow. And so you know you if if you get things in that that you're using, there's nothing wrong with that. But then when you aren't using them, then you then you you let them go. You sell them or give them away. You, you keep the flow going, and it, it's it's not good kind of accumulating and accumulating and accumulating. It's much more important to kind of get, use, and let go. Get, no tennis use, balls, Anna. Go. No tennis balls. We don't want any tennis balls. <laughs> no tennis rackets, ladies. They have Anna and Ali and Melanie from the Tennis Association here in Los Angeles, and they're no tennis. Actually, can I say something about tennis? Yes. Tennis is my background. Um, and we were talking about feeling. And I kind of related back to my tennis background, where if, say, you're... Um, you're, going, you're going in into this competition and you're not ready for it. You just picked up, you just learned how to play tennis a week ago and you're saying, okay, you have to go play this tournament. You're gonna to be very fearful. But if you worked and worked and trained and trained, and then all of a sudden they say, okay, you're gonna go into this competition, not only are you gonna be fearless, but you're gonna be going in there with such enthusiasm and excitement that, uh, you know, that's, with, with, with the knowledge and the training, the, the fear turns into actually excitement. But that's, that's a good point, something that I, I thought about um, uh, some time ago. And sometimes when you think of fear and bravery, it's kind of like a, a, a down thing. It's like a heavy thing, a negative thing. You know, you got to be brave. And you always think about these movies where everyone's getting like chopped up and stuff. Ooh, you know. Whereas, but bravery, in another way, like you say, it's think of it as an adventure. You know, we're, we're, the civilization that we're in is it's caught in this quagmire, um, and to get out of it, it takes bravery. You have to overcome fear, but it's a wonderful adventure, and we, you're going to learn so much. The more you get away from from the um, the status quo, the more you're going to learn and experience and be able to help. It's going to be a wonderful thing. That's, you don't win. It, that's right. You know, there's a current uh, there's a current environment, especially like say with sickness in the fear of being sick, in the fear of acquiring a cancer, a fear of having a heart disease, a disease, and a, the fear of dying, and dying horribly in pain. Not too long ago, a little story for me. Um, one of our people sitting here is a long-standing member, Rita Wilson. Her father was diagnosed with stage four colorectal cancer a few years back. I happened to have gone along with him to visit a number of specialists, and they told him, absolutely, you are needing surgery to remove that area which was quite diseased. I saw all the films myself. And he says, very likely, with chemotherapy and radiation, you may have a few years to live. Five years. Death was at his door. Fear sets in. Their confidence as far as surgeons, well, we can do the job. We can excise the tumors. And that's what we're confident. So they had no fear. They had, were getting paid by his insurance companies, and so they had their money. They were confident. They didn't suffer the pain. They didn't suffer the anguish. But their attitude was that you are not going to be successful in your recovery. You're, there's no miracles going on here. Possibly one or two to three to five percent. What happened? He was put on the Ethereum Society Worldwide Spiritual Healing List. He was given direct contact healing. He was fortified with belief that the divinity at play would help his combat this disease process. Within six months, stage four colorectal cancer, six months, 
He underwent chemotherapy, radiation, and surgery. The day of the surgery at St. John's here in Santa Monica, surgeon comes out of surgery within 30 minutes of opening him and doing the resectioning and says, it's done. I finished the resectioning, excised the area, but there's zero tumors, no cancer. Well, the question I wanted to pose actually was, why did you excise and why did you continue the surgery and create the colostomy? But that's set aside, no cancer. Why? Because he didn't have fear, he had belief. You replace with the fear with a knowledge that God's power and his, his will to live and his dream to help his church and his community and his family and his friends was stronger than his fear and so his state of mind, he dropped the fear and he took on the sword of, of bravery and today he's walking about the earth, a great example of what a person can lose as far as this fear of death or fear of an outcome. Now, does it work for everybody? Try it. I happen to be a living example as well, quite frankly. I had quadruple bypass surgery some years ago, and I died on the operating table. I've come back. Why? Because of the prayers of my brothers, because my belief that I want to live, and I had no fear of death. Once again, we'll go into death to the knowledge aspect, because once you have knowledge that there's not a one life existence, like our government would have you believe, like everyone around you believes there's only one life that you lead, and you're finished. God only designed you for one lifetime. When you understand that you have multiple lives in the past and wondrous future that this nine freedoms describes, believe in it, study it, touch it. It is your future. It is your strength. So. <laughs> It's a, big, it's a big key, you know, often um, I'm in a position of, of asking people, um, you know, what they want to hear on a legacy night or, or people will come to me and, and it's like everyone always wants something new, you know, and it's, um, it, it's true, you, you have to stay focused. You have to, you can't, you can't just read the nine freedoms once and then put it away and then read it again ten years later. It, it has to be something that you, you um, think about and refer to and read and listen to lectures and you got to keep it in your mind. It's the 12 blessings. You can't just do the 12 blessings once. Yeah. Like a new foundation. Pardon? Make it like a new foundation for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and grow with it. And it's, you know, part of what, what Richard said, where we know that we don't have just one life, um, you know, you don't have to think that um, you're going to master this book, this life. But every minute that you put into the Nine Freedoms or the Twelve Blessings or any other great teaching, every minute you put into it will be a big help next life. So no matter where you are in life, it's always imperative and, and tremendously useful to study and practice and think about the great truths. And in this case, especially we're talking about the Nine Freedoms because it's so, it's so everlasting. Okay, we're going to read. This is a wonderful statement. Knowledge gained by adherence to the unchangeable laws can bring to you that stage of enlightenment 
which dispels fear. A state of mind can be changed at once, for good or for evil. It is just as easy to have a state of mind unclouded by fear as it is to allow it to be warped by this intrusion. Have this outlook upon life, act in this way, and fear becomes non-existent. So that's a huge clue of how you can get away from fear. It's knowledge. First of all, he says one thing, knowledge of the unchangeable laws and um, adherence to the unchangeable laws. And so the question might come up, and has come up, what are the unchangeable laws? And, you know, mankind's been given these laws for, for thousands of years, probably, well, longer than thousands of years, but the Ten Commandments, um, uh, the Buddha's Sutras, uh, um, the Bhagavad Gita, they, they all teach the unchangeable laws, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, etc. And so you might ask, well, how does that give you knowledge? How does not killing give you knowledge? How does not stealing give you knowledge? And the way that it works is when, when we're caught in this quagmire like we are, and we're kind of, we have all kinds of difficulties that come our way that we have to kind of deal with. And it, it becomes kind of a cloud around us because we're spending all of our time dealing with problems. People cutting us off, hitting our car, with all kinds of problems of the, during the day. We have to deal with these problems. A cloud. And the more that we start to manipulate our karma by acting within the unchangeable laws, then the reaction to our, our actions will cause less trouble. And cl the cloud will start to kind of part. And you'll start to be able to operate on a higher level. You'll be less run down by day-to-day -day problems as you follow the unchangeable laws. And it will allow you to spend your time helping others, learning the nine freedoms, praying, giving spiritual healing. It'll give you time to focus on the greater things, and that will then give you more knowledge, etc., etc., etc. The world of knowledge is vast on this planet, and the sanctuary of knowledge, the safe haven, the lighthouse that prevents you as the ship from crashing on some shores, that guides you to this bay of sanctuary where you're safe, where you have pure knowledge, pure teaching, unadulterated, non-materialistic, non-commercial, is this wonderful storehouse that our master left this planet. Not only did he leave the great cosmic master's words, power, and energies, he left so many essential teachings that are a part of this knowledge that dispels fear. If you, for instance, listen to man's mind, it's a lecture. We've all heard it. But how many times? Listen to it five times, over and over again. Force yourself to sit there and listen to this lecture five times as a test. And see how your body shakes 
and how it wants to move and how you think about, oh, I got to do that over there. Or I have to go shopping. Oh, I, I, I got to watch TV program. I've got to go visit my friend. And you, your lower self will start to make all the excuses. Man's mind. This lecture teaches you about your super consciousness, your subconscious, and your consciousness. Now, obviously, the goal here is for us to kind of like move away from this a lower consciousness and allow the light of the higher consciousness to imbue our mind. Well, unless you don't, if you don't understand the mechanics of your, how your mind works, then how can you change it? That's one of the fundamentals of our master. You must understand first to change or alter something. Imagination. It's the root of fear. Wild imaginations. You know, I'm going into a dark room. There's going to be ghosts. There's something there in the dark lurking. There's nothing turned the light on. It's the cat. But the point is that our imaginations run us down a dark path. Listen to that wonderful teaching. It's available through the Ethereum Society. He, actually, he, our master gave um, like the first 10 cassettes uh, that we, we saw the first 10 lectures, really, um, in such a short period of time uh, to you, the listener, it, it can give you this, this fantastic um, base of knowledge. And he had a knack of, of pulling the important aspects of all of metaphysics themes, pulling it and giving the essence in these short 60 to 90 minute um, lectures. And if you listen to these lectures, uh, over and over especially, you can, you can go to any library and pick out any book and you almost have an innate knowledge of how much truth that author is giving. You, you can kind of like, and I've done it many, many times myself, you pick out a book and you want to kind of see, on, let's say an astral projection. Let's say you want to learn about astral projection. He doesn't talk much about it, but he gives you enough information that if you pull a book off of a, a bookshelf, and scan through it, because of the knowledge that you have from listening to our master's um, base lectures, you will know how accurate this book is likely to be. And if, if you, you can kind of run through certain tests, and then you can pull that book out, and you can then have much more confidence in that book because of the tests that he's given you virtually. And it, it's, it's just one way that, that knowledge um, of the right kind can can be so, so helpful. There is, there is a statement he makes. It is unequivocal, and it's, it's really righteous. And that is, touch the spiritual teachings, these cosmic teachings, daily. And when you receive this information, this knowledge, thank God for it. Thank the Master who gave it. Say a prayer after you've heard it every single time but do it daily. In this world, there's a great tidal wave of fear, as we've talked about. There is the dark forces at work because it's their last 11th, it's their 11th hour. It's the last breath. They're, they're, just, they're drowning in the changes that are occurring now. We all know about July the 8th. We know about the cosmic initiation of Earth, metaphysical students of the Ethereum Society. We know that the quickening is happening now. Global warming is but an aspect of the earth changing her environment. Some of it's due to the footprint of mankind, some of it is due to the actual change of her 
anatomy in her movement. All speculation, the fact is that we're in a world of great change. So what you can do to help you with this change on a day-to-day -day basis is to grab a hold of these teachings and listen to them every day, replace your other habits with these teachings and allow the great light to flow into your mind, your higher mind, and it'll, inspiration will pour into your consciousness. It's also a vibrational thing, you know, it's, it's you know, the earth um, is changing her vibration and we're told that those who, who want to be able to stay have got to change their vibration. And we're given these, these fantastic tools to do just that. And it doesn't have to be uh, three hours or 90 minutes or even 60 minutes. If you have 10 minutes, 15 minutes, you can pick up a book and, and read some passages. You can do a prayer. You can do some breathing exercises. It doesn't have to be a long period of time. But the important thing is regularity and keep, keep touching it. And it will raise your vibration. It really, really will, will raise your vibration. I know um, many years ago when, when our master had requested some special power transmissions through members and he, his job was to try and get members' vibration up as fast as possible for them to be used as, a, as channels for this particular year. I think it was 1977? Yeah, 77. And he required everyone who was going to participate to do mantra every day for 40 minutes. Uh, it was hard for some people. Then I think he lowered it, I think, to uh, 20 minutes because people weren't able to do the 40 minutes. But it just shows you how important a daily practice such as mantra can be to your vibration. Another thing, uh, even earlier in the 60s, I think, um, when these special power transmissions were going through, people who would come to the live transmissions, um, as they did more and more practices and came to more and more of these transmissions, the amount of energy that were able, was able to go through them increased dramatically. Dramatic increase. So even though you or we may not feel a tremendous difference in our day-to-day -day life, because it's a slow change, so you may think that, well, nothing much is happening. But you can be sure that something is happening. And you have to have confidence and knowledge that doing mantra, obviously the more you put into it, that's essential. You can't just sit down and do mantra and be thinking about something else. You've got to put your concentration into all of these things, whether it's reading uh, the nine freedoms, doing a mantra, doing a prayer. The more concentration you put into it, the more it will affect you, the more it will raise you, the more that vibration will vibrate to you. Remember that your chakras, these floodgates that exist in all of us and upon us, are opening and closing. The base center and the sex center and the solar plexus center are commonplace amongst most humanity. In those two centers is where most of humanity exists for the most part. However, when you start dealing with the heart center and the throat center, and then the Christ center, and then Brahma chakra, the teachings of the masters are pouring in through these centers. And they imbue these centers so that they spin faster. These truths 
by the very utterances, when you listen to the master, your centers will start to spin more rapidly and accept these fine energies that are interwoven in these words. And as a result, your understanding increases about so many things, about how a toaster oven works, about a, car, a carburetor works. You have an ability to grasp the understanding of things. It's vice versa. Have an interest like our master did to learn all kinds of things. Not just only metaphysics, but learn about how things are made. He discusses that very clearly when you acquire, and I have to raise the hands here. How many people have the master's lectures on the nine freedoms at home? Okay, about 50%. So the 50% of you continue to listen. We're advising you strongly. But those of you who don't, take these very quickly into your life and acquire and listen to them because it will impact your chakras. It will impact your abilities. Some people say, well, I've been doing spiritual practices and I've been in the spiritual line of business or work for 50 years or 30 years or 40 years and I haven't seen a psychic thing in my life. I haven't, I haven't done anything. I haven't seen anything. And I want so desperately to be psychic. I want to be able to have the, some, what they call the cities. Well, one of the ways that you can do this, and not so much guaranteeing it, but one of the ways that you can do this passively is to listen and open and accept and allow these influences, these cosmic harmonics to come from Venus to Earth. And when you open a book or when you or listen to a, the Master Jesus speak, in pours this wondrous radiant light upon you and you're being touched, and there's a great highway that's coming between these two worlds, and you are part of this wondrous flow. It's your ability to do this. Use it. Fear becomes nothing anymore. You're brave, you have fortitude, you have strength, and you're on the path solidly. And you start to have these unique experiences, mystical experiences. It becomes more and more of an adventure. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it gets, it gets, life becomes more interesting that way. Um, probably on a recap, the, it's really, it, it's, it's a fairly, fairly straightforward concept, this first freedom. And that is, you know, we, we live in a world of fear. Um, it's essential for the spiritual worker or the one who wants to advance to start the journey of advancement with bravery to get out of this world of fear. And he tells you how to do that through knowledge of the right kind. And he gives a little bit more of an example of what fear is. It's a state of mind. It's caused by karma, um, environment, which he says you can get out of. You know, don't let that try and hold you back. He even gives a great examples um, about uh, the greatest people uh, you, you'll normally find were people who started in very difficult environments and had to get out of their environment to do what they were going to do. So it, it's really very simple. You've got fear, you need bravery. To have bravery, you need the right knowledge of the right kind. And you should probably ask questions. I mean, do people have a feel for, um, for this freedom of what, what you can do to keep pushing forward with that freedom? Because this is the basic freedom. From here it gets, it gets well, it goes to the stars. Love, you know, service, and, uh, 
enlightenment. All the way up to the sun. So it gets really amazing. Yes, Diana? Diane. I think one thing that I've noticed is with fear, sometimes we have a tendency to think it's something really great, terrorist or something else out there, something big. But actually, fear, I find, it happens to you in everyday life. Sure. Something simple as driving on the freeway to someplace you don't know, way out of your territory, and you just go. You, you find your directions and you go by yourself. And you find out that you're in a different place, a different world, and then when you say something to somebody else, they'll say, well, gee, you're brave. You know, I wouldn't go way out there because a lot of times people stay in their own little space. Mm -hmm. They don't want to move out of their neighborhood. Mm -hmm. But once you go out, you it's like, I'm free. I can go wherever. Mm -hmm. or. Say it's raining really hard and you don't want to drive, it's at night. I mean, sometimes like just coming out here and you get into a real bad storm and you think, well, I think I'll just stay home. Well, you don't just, you, you drive quite a long ways. You drive all the way from uh, Claremont. So. Oh, I don't know. Oh. In LA, <laughs> that's a long way. feel about immigrants. That's right. That's, yeah. Yeah. But it's just simple things. things in their lives. That's exactly right. It's just brave. simple, small Very brave. that starts you on something. No, it's true. That's true. It's good to look at, at um, the little things. Uh, you know, all, all little things um, add up to big things, and they give you a confidence. So the more that you can overcome uh, fears uh, in the little things, they'll, they'll kind of get, give you an inertia and really kind of get you going, and, be, and then it'll help you be able to do the big things. Absolutely. you together like a trust. Mm -hmm. like, okay, you, take care of me. you can do it. Well, you know that that's one of the one of the truths I think behind uh, uh, the Buddhists that um, are required to go around begging you know, with, with their bowl. You know, um, they do that to lose the fear. You know, they 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 put their whole life in the hands of God because they've got like one or, or two uh, robes, one bowl. And that's all they have, and they have to live for years. Um, and they, they basically um, have to be taken care of by God, in a way, by those around them. And it's, it, it takes a tremendous amount of bravery. And one, one of the members of the Ethereum Society did, did that um, many, many years before he joined the Ethereum Society, uh, and he, he talked about that. And he said it really took a tremendous amount of bravery to do that. He did it in California which is not exactly the normal thing to do in California. And he did that. It, it takes a lot of bravery to do something like that. But it gives you then the confidence. It, it reminds me of a, a great um, statement at the end of this, this freedom, where he, uh, Marcy de Six goes, um, Know this, the tests which now confront you terrestrials have had to be so designed in order to give you essential experience. Because it really is true. Everything, all experience, um, is a lesson. And, and you know, the, the Buddhists say that um, the more difficult the persons around you, they're the best teachers. There's this great, um, this great uh, story about uh, uh, I think it's uh, Aisha, um, who was the um, the Buddhist who took Buddhism from India to Tibet. And he had heard that 
the people in Tibet were really lovely, friendly people, um, which to him was a worry, you see, because his belief was that you got to be around some tough people to kind of keep yourself uh, centered and keep yourself on edge, keep yourself, you know, uh, churning out the compassion. And so he actually brought along with him a real pain of an assistant just to kind of keep that edge. Uh, and I thought that was really an amusing story. <laughs> so it's an interesting way to look at it, though. But it, it's, it is good to um, try and keep that uppermost in your mind. And it's hard to do, as you know. I'm sure everyone knows. It's hard to, if somebody, like, cuts you off or whatever, you know, it's hard to catch yourself all the time. Um, but it, it's so essential because everything that happens to you is, is a lesson that you have um, designed. Like the law of attraction. Law of attraction, yeah, same thing, yeah, yeah, it's all karma. It's like you, you, um, you're asking for these lessons, for, they're essential lessons for you. And now that's not to say that, um, for example, if somebody cuts you off and it's a dangerous situation, um, I kind of like to say that honk your horn anyway, you know. Because they, they need to learn. They need to know that that's not right to do that. But you can honk your horn without anger. They may not know that, but you can honk your horn without, without anger, you know. So. Pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A quick story regarding the master. This is back in 19, <clears throat> I'd say 1979, 1980 on Lake Powell. A beautiful lake. Millions of people have visited this lake. Boating, fishing, camping. It's a gorgeous place to visit. And in this lake is a special area, a psychic center of the Mother Earth, which our master discovered through research and inquiry. And his process of discovering a psychic center of the Mother Earth, not just a, not a psychic center of the human being, of the Mother Earth, it took an enormous amount of bravery in so many ways to make this investigation complete. The story I'm going to tell you is a real story that I was present. We had visited, visited Lake Powell many, many times throughout the years. And on this particular occasion, he had this lovely boat, which I referred to earlier, Phantom. And he was alone in this boat, traveling into the psychic center, entering its perimeter. There's an area which there's a perimeter to all psychic centers. And so he entered it alone, and we were some distance behind him, I would say easily a mile to two miles behind him, we can see him off in the distance. That morning, and it was early in the morning, about 7.30 in the morning, the clouds were completely black and on the surface of the water, not in the sky, up completely from the sky down to the water and lightning bolts slashing left, right, and center, and he was going right into it. The purpose of our visit there was to perform Operation Sunbeam and also a standby mission. He was not about to let fear of being hit by lightning stop him. What did he use? Knowledge. What kind of knowledge? The right kind. What was the right kind? His knowledge of the Diva Kingdom, of the powers that were now in play, which virtually a wall who represented mankind's uh, negative thought and action, confronting him as a wall, a challenge, virtually. Go back to base, to the, to the lodge, which, marina which, which we came from, or continue. 
A split decision was made. It wasn't born from fear. It was born from knowledge. He stood, stopped the boat, and within a few minutes, witness, witnessing this event, the entire cloud, which was black, sparkling and rippling with lightning bolts, completely ripped open and blue sky, just completely open and completely dissolved miles of black storm clouds, miles, square miles. Within moments, the entire psychic center was calm, black calm, no wind, no clouds. We just moved along and stopped in the middle of the psychic center. Half an hour later, we trudged along on these slow houseboats. And we looked at him. He was having a cup of tea, sitting in the <laughs> psychic center, as if nothing happened. We spoke about it for a moment when we got to the beach and secured our, our craft. He, he treated it as if it was a normal day's affair. But that little glint in his eye, later on in the campfire that night, he spoke of the power of love, the understanding of the Deva kingdom. He understood karma very well, as you heard tonight. Very simply put, he applied knowledge that dispelled any trepidation, any fear, and accomplished a wonderful miracle, so-called by understanding nature. And this is what we're going to be talking about as we go forward in the nine freedoms, how we play a vital role with nature as living cells, conscious living cells in the whole, all a part of this wonderful world, this classroom. Well, we have uh, we're an hour and 40 minutes. There were some questions posed here to us prior to tonight's um, podcast. Well, actually, many of these have been answered, but some of the questions were, may seem kind of vague. But like, for instance, in the nine films you will read, before each transmission from Mars Sector 6, there's an individual by the name of St. Guling, and he crops up in and out of our history of the Ethereum Society mm -hmm. texts and books. And so the question was, well, who is St. Guling? So, Brian, maybe you can answer that question. Well, St. Guling is uh, an ascended master of uh, the Great White Brotherhood, spiritual hierarchy of Earth. And he was actually the one who um, visualized the Ethereum Society into being. And at the time that he did so, he was residing uh, beneath, um, uh, within Mount Shasta. And uh, he is the holder of the seal of the spiritual hierarchy of Earth. And he visualized the Ethereum Society into being. And then our master then um, did the physical uh, work of starting it up. And that's uh, St. That's Guling. Uh, it's interesting if you were to uh, experiment, and this is, uh, we'll talk about this for a second. If you experiment, let's say tomorrow when you're feeling a little bit more robust and because you've got so much going on in your mind tonight, do a practice of the 12 blessings. And then after you've stopped and the energies are flowing, think of the master, St. Guling. And then open yourself and say, to yourself, I like to say a prayer for the Master Saint Guling for all that he's done for our church and for the man, for mankind, and then pause, let the power flow, and then be still. You would be very surprised the type of energy and the type of personage that comes into your presence. Once again, is it so remote that he doesn't hear your your voice, doesn't hear your thoughts? No. We are so interconnected, but. How, do we touch these beings? Do we touch these essences? No. We need to do more of it. That's the point. Prove it for yourself. That, that's a very good, it's a good point. It's a good practice. Um, 
like we talked about with the nine freedoms, you, you read the nine freedoms, you listen to the texts, and you're, you're creating a, um, an etheric link uh, with, with the Master Mars Sector 6. Um, he's a long ways away and different kind of an entity, but with someone like Saint Guling, who's on Earth and is tied to mankind, um, if you do a prayer for Saint Guling and you really focus on his name or maybe read some of the texts that he gives, kind of form a link that way, you are forming an actual etheric link, link with, with the Master Saint Guling. And if you send your love along that link, then karma would virtually require uh, some love to come back to that same, self-same link. And you, you will, if you, the more and more you are open to it, the more you will feel that, uh, that energy come back to you. And of course, that's what happens with the 12 blessings, is we're, we're taught to uh, create this link with each of the 12 um, focal points. And as you send your energy to these focal points, you will then get something back from these focal points. Not only yourself, but then the world will get something back from, the, from these focal points as well. Kind of reminds me on a basic level where uh, on the internet you, you have millions of people creating one link that goes to one server, and there can be millions of people all around the world mm -hmm. typing in that link, and it will go to that server. So that that just on a basic level, that people can yes, that's a good analogy. And on a higher uh, metaphysical level, it's creating an etheric link to that company. You're tapping into the St. Guling server somewhere. Yeah, yeah so that's, a good, that's a good analogy. Yeah. A good analogy. That's good. We're, we're so accustomed to loving one another and not being loved by one another that we don't really consider the fact that we can actually have a love for a master who's living and have love from return from him or her. I mean, why not? You know, take a break on your boyfriend or husband or wife and say, you know, okay, I don't need to have you love me all the time. I can give love to a great master, and receive equal love, if not more, back to you. Pure love. Unattached love. Detached love. Impersonal love. And you walk with them. Walk with them. They walk with you. Let us take this first freedom deep into our hearts and minds. And in conclusion... We will end this podcast with the words of the Cosmic Master, Mars Sector 6. Bravery is victory through experience. Be brave, not foolish, but brave through wisdom, and know the first freedom. <laughs>